At approximately 5.15 p.m. on May 10th in 1967, three boys ages 11, 13, and 14 explore a cave near their house in Mark Twain's hometown of Hannibal, Missouri. Brothers Billy Hogue, Joel Hogue, and friend Craig Dow are never seen again. Making the case go cold for over 50 years. Using the facts from 1967, we reopen the case for the Lost Boys of Hannibal. Welcome back to the Lost Boys of Hannibal podcast. I'm your host, Frankie Cambaletta, and with me as always, but not not as much as the last couple months, <laughs> <laughs> um, Chris Ketters. Yeah, hey, how's it going? It, it's, it, it's been good, right? Oh, God, yeah, right. <laughs> everything's peachy. The world is spinning. Everything's great. Yeah. It's just, uh, it's, it's kind of crazy in, in the sense of uh, this year started, and I kind of just want to, you know, press uh, reset. Is this what happens when we don't do podcasts? Is there's pandemics that happen? <laughs> <laughs> it's our fault. Yeah. Sorry, guys. Um, I hope everyone's safe. I hope everyone is. It's one of the things that we announced on Facebook is that we were going to go a little longer. Uh, we're going to keep all the profanity out yep. as much as probably people are frustrating, uh, are frustrated right now. And uh, we're going to go a little bit longer because we know you guys are kind of been waiting for this season. And, and um, so it's not going to be a typical commuter traffic one it's going to be more uh, we're talking about john wayne gacy today yeah big day um we've talked about it and there's so much we need to talk about before we get into john wayne gacy because we have been gone for two months now i think yep. so there's a lot has happened in the last two months and we do want to dig into some of that hopefully if you got a chance uh, obviously the discussion group's a big discussion that we've talked about we always talk about that every episode the, uh, we have over 200 people in our discussion group it seems like every day we get more and more people that are joining which is awesome and, and they're they're you know, one thing I always do notice is they join and then because we have to approve you to join, you just answer two questions and it's good to go. But then like within a, probably about an hour of joining, I get another thing that comes up that says you need to approve this message. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny. You guys are um, and I guess Betty also has been on it as well because you guys do it so fast. At the time I get to the notifications, like there's no notifications. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it works out pretty good. But hey, that that's what exactly, and it always seems like it's it's a question of, um, hey, did you think about this or, or what about this? Every once in a while, you can tell people are really excited because you know we did 15 total episodes last season, and they're they're saying a question of like something that you could tell they just watched or listened to episode seven because in episode nine we that's talk right. about it, yeah. <laughs> but they're so excited to get on there and talk about it now that they're like, what about this well i'm not going to give you any spoilers going <laughs> to listen to the rest of the season and go from there it's also important too that i'm glad that they're doing that because they're they're pointing things out that we might have missed or might an audience member might have missed or somebody in the audience was thinking that and they were driving to work and they totally forgot about it when they got to work 
I know that people have gotten frustrated because they can't listen at work. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> well, now you're working from home, so yeah. you know, feel free to put this on blast if you want. Um, yeah. I've gotten to the point now. I, I have been re-listening to the episodes while I've been driving, and what I end up doing now is I will listen to the full episode and then go on to a recorder that's on my phone and like make like verbal notes. So then I know I got to go back to that and, and go back and listen to that. So, but yeah, we're really excited about our discussion group as always. And, and thanks for all the inputs and uh, speaking of input, thanks for the reviews too. I think we're over 50 reviews. Uh, we're almost, uh, we probably are going to be over 20,000 downloads uh, when this episode comes out, which man, we started this in July of last year. <laughs> no way. With nine downloads. With nine downloads. <laughs> and I think seven of those were ours. Exactly. So, uh, it's, yeah, telling your, telling your wife, listen to this again. Yeah, yeah, we exactly. Need, we need the follows. Did you download it on Pandora yet? No, I mean, and every network? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I went out and bought a Mac just so I can download it from the Safari end. No. <laughs> Um, it is crazy. It's a it's a great response. Uh, we were invited to the uh, True Crime podcast in Kansas City. Unfortunately, looks like they are going to cancel. They're going to reschedule. They're going to postpone it. They said, which is kind of cool. But we were able to reach out and get some follows from some amazing other podcasts that we listen to, like Generation Y out of Kansas City is now following us, which is it's big for me because I've been listening to those guys since I moved here to St. Louis. So. Cool to see that. Mm-hmm. Cool to see um, a bunch of other podcasts, true crime podcasts, kind of giving us some shout outs. Pandora's even running ads about our stuff. Yeah. Nuts. Yeah. And if you do come across, and we've had this happen a couple times this year in the last couple months, is if you do hear about us on some other podcast or some other location, let us know. Especially, uh, there's an option. One of the questions is, how did you hear about us when you joined the discussion group? Make sure to tell us why. And and you get a little extra room. Explain to us where you heard us and and what episode even. I know there was, I don't remember if it was Generation Y or, or one of those other true crime podcasts. They mentioned us, and we couldn't find the episode that they mentioned us because we wanted to give them a shout out and thank you thank them for doing that so uh just if you hear us let us know because we love to to give them guys recognition back yeah that is the truth i mean we are part of the uh pod belly network which is out of la and we have a lot of podcasters out there that give us shout outs all the time the ones that are listening to ours we're also part of podcast mo right here in uh st louis missouri where we have a uh basically a whole guild of Really great podcast as well, and they've been giving us some shout-outs. But, yes, to Chris's point, try to capture that for us because we really want to give them a shout-out. Uh, there was a YouTube channel. We found her. I think her name is McKenna. We found her. We thanked her. We follow her on Instagram now. She does some really cool stuff. And so if you're out there and, and you haven't written in a while, well, I, I, I'm glad that the, the wait is finally over. It is March 23rd. Um, we have over, like Chris said, we're approaching 20,000 downloads, but I think that's the last time I'm mentioning it. Every time I mention, Oh guys, we had 2000 downloads the next week we had like 10. Yeah. yeah. So the, the episode just sounded dated at that yeah. point. Yeah. It's so funny. Like when we first, when we did the KHQA thing back, we were like, Oh look, we have a thousand downloads or something like that. And then by the time that even came out, we were way above that. So yeah, we probably won't mention the downloads no, exactly. anymore, but we do appreciate everybody. That's, 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 uh, that's helped us out throughout the season. Should sure. we jump into some of our actual getting into lost boy stuff? Or are we missing anything? Well, I just want to say that we are, we are doing some merchandise. We're going to be doing some uh, trucker hats and we're going to be doing some nice. t-shirts, uh, for both seasons. So I think, uh, this season is, um, the case went cold 
And this essentially is the theme of season two is trying to find answers, trying to get inside people's heads, looking at the facts from the Karis report and stuff like that, and then getting interviews out there and interviewing people that might have been on the ground to see if everything's lining up. So we can really start to open up you yeah. know, more rabbit holes, Chris. Yeah, more rabbit holes. <laughs> uh, we And I kind of worded this to Frankie a couple days ago, but we're, we're – we're putting the Karis report to the test. That That's my goal for this season. So um, we have some interviews that are going to be coming up in the next few weeks uh, and, and throughout the season that literally, and I was telling Frankie this earlier, I'm going to put the Karis report, that section of when that person's discussed and say, read this. Tell me if it's accurate. Tell me how, what's right. Tell me what's wrong. Tell me what he missed. We're going to put this to the test because really, as you know, this is the only formal actual report that there is that we know of. We're still waiting on the Missouri state patrol uh, to get a report back from them. It sounds like there may be some stuff with the Missouri state patrol because uh, it is taking them a long time. I received an email a few weeks ago from them saying actually that we're working on this. We should get you something pretty soon. So that gives me a little bit of hope that, that the Missouri state patrol may have some information. We did ask the FBI. They didn't have any information uh, that was available. And so we're, we're kind of kind of checking off some of those boxes. But once we hear back from the Missouri state patrol, uh, we'll let them know. But again, our goal this season, my goal this season is to say, let's find out how accurate this report is from, from our good old buddy Karis. A hundred percent. And I think also when you look at our good friend, uh, Mr. Wingate, <laughs> who's probably made a fortune just on our podcast yeah. alone, um, who has now blocked me. I just want everybody to know that. I'm going to put that out there. He has now <laughs> blocked me on Facebook. I have never said a bad word to this person, <laughs> but I'm blocked on Facebook for some reason. Um, we will be talking a little bit about Soul Speak today, his second book that came out. Um, and I guess I'm going to be a little bit more critical of that book today. Now, before we get started in diving into Gacy, Gacy I will say that the book Soul Speaks really kind of gives him this lockout, right? Because we really can't go there and dig. And as long as we can't do that, that book holds value. That book holds answers, right? And mm-hmm. because we can't debunk it, we can't just like walk on the cement company and start drilling. Um, we did, however, have a really interesting person. I'm not going to call her out because I didn't ask her to, but she did send me a private message. She is part of the group discussion. Her husband works for the cement company in the security area. And he said that the reason why they put those signs up uh, was not because of John Wingate. Okay. It was because people were trespassing and getting in there and ex-employees were kind of going in. There's a bunch of different things that, that I can get into that later, but it wasn't just specifically John Wingate. I just think it was kind of ironic that when we were there, they started putting yeah. these signs Yeah, up and, and let's recap that. That's what, uh, you know, going all the way back to July, I think, of last year, the first weekend that Fra- I took Frankie to Hannibal, we went by the location where where John Wingate mentions in his book that, that he believes that the boys are, are buried. And all of a sudden, I told Frankie, like, all of a sudden, there's these no trespassing signs and all this stuff that's all around. And literally two days before I was up there, and those things weren't there. So it was just completely ironic that 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 happened so but yeah it's a uh, yeah so that's a good information that we had from from that uh, person yeah and so um to the mediums that are a part of the book uh we know that in in some 
perspective, some of what they said was not allowed to be printed. I'm not going to say who that's from because it's not our liberty to say, but some of the stuff was not allowed to be printed and it was printed anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was kind of irrelevant to the case. I think he was trying to draw maybe some credence to uh, legitimate. Uh, we do know one of the mediums and she's pretty legitimate. Uh, mm-hmm. A lot of people like her. Uh, she does do it for a living. Uh, they've gotten good responses from her, good feelings from her. So this is not about debunking mediums. Yeah. It, it You have to understand that that area of where the cement company was could house a lot of bodies. If you look at the history yeah. of that entire area and all the immigrants that worked there, we didn't have these type of rules and restrictions. We didn't have OSHA back then. So things could have happened. There could be bodies buried out there. I mean, this is the middle of nowhere. Yeah. So they could have sensed something. They could have sensed maybe another murder, something else that happened that might not necessarily be the boys. So... Putting that on the fence, because we're not a paranormal show, but also I don't want to, you know, ash can anybody and what they do for a living. I want to make that clear. This is not a show that ash cans books or other people's perspective on things. Is the paranormal real? Me and Chris love the paranormal, number one. We're both ghost hunters. We're both hobbyists within it. He builds his own damn equipment. (laughs) (laughs) So... We just wanted to, I wanted to make that sure before we dive into to John Wayne Gacy. And yeah. we're only covering John Wayne Gacy through the years that are relevant to the boys. And I don't know if that makes sense to you. but Yeah, no, it does. And I think it'll make sense to, to the listeners as well because really it's super easy to go and do a Google search for what happened with John Wayne Gacy in Chicago. Uh, and you, yep. you know the story. If you've watched any any documentary on Netflix or Hulu or any of those networks, you've seen, you've seen what the past is like. Um, I do want to step back because we are going to dig deep into the Gacy thing. Mm-hmm. There's a couple things that I want to go back to real quick just because uh, – there was some things we discussed during the off season between season one and season two that were on our Facebook uh, page that we haven't talked about on our, uh, on our actual podcast. If you got a chance, we did a Facebook live. I hope we're going to do more of those because we went for like, did we go for nearly two hours? It was long and we were keeping the momentum. So I think for this season, Chris, I think we might even do a live episode. Yeah. I think people like that. I think that it's easy for us to do with shift films, you know, providing all the camera equipment. I mean, we're not shooting anything right now unless you want to do some, you know, dy- dystopia film where nobody's <laughs> in the city. Um, right. So we can definitely do something more live. And you know what? Why don't we make that a poll? We'll yeah. make that a poll on the on the page. Yeah, that's great. If you guys want to see a live episode or if you want to see us do another live Facebook live event, yeah. um, then yeah, give us a give us a good rating, and you know if it's over fifty percent, sixty percent majority rule, we'll do one. Yeah, it, it, so going back to what we were talking about with our fir- our, our Facebook Live that we did, it was uh, went great, and we just had the questions keep coming and coming and coming. I love that because it got us to thinking, and we were I had to get up at one point in time, pull out the Keras report, and start reading it to make sure we were <laughs> accurate. Uh, so uh, yeah, those are great to have. But we did we started out because we wanted to start out with kind of given something that that we found out uh, since the end of the last season. And that had to do, well, first of all, we announced that Gacy was going to be our first episode going into season two. But then we also announced that uh, we had uh, found some information in, in a newspaper article. And the information had to do with uh, our good old uh, friend Craig, 
and Joey and Billy, for that matter. Originally, we thought that they were all going to the church function. Well, we came across a newspaper article in the Quincy Herald Wig, which again, Quincy is about 20 miles to the north of Hannibal. And the article mentioned that it was just Craig that was going to this meeting that was in Shelbina. And he was going. He was the only one going to the church function that night. So we thought that was a pretty big... You're like, wow, this this is good. Well, this changes things. Well, what happened? Did they get all? Did they all hitchhike then? Well, why would they hitchhike then? So it brought up a lot of questions. It kind of dug into a new rabbit hole. Though Frankie, while I was listening to our podcast again and re-listening because there's just so much information going on, I was re-listening to our podcast and I came across. T- uh, a section. I had to go back to the CARES reports. Did you really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> go figure. So I'm going to read this to you. This is directly from the CARES uh, reports. And I'm just going to, if you're good, Frankie, I'm going to go ahead and just go read ahead. this paragraph. Around 5.15 that evening, David Bentley, age 14, a young friend of Joey and Billy Hogue, dropped by the Hogue home on Fulton Street. David wondered if Mrs. Hogue was still angry about the frog that w- that got away in the house the day before. He remembered that she also was angry about Billy getting all wet and muddy in Murphy's cave. It was with some reluctance that he knocked on the door. Much to his surprise, Mrs. Hogue was smiling when she answered the door and told him that Billy and Joey were out playing, and if she, if excuse me, if he should see them, to tell them to hurry home if they want to go to the church social with Craig. So this really kind of. Once again, we're redacting, we're retracting, we're adding, <laughs> we're subtracting. Right. <laughs> but once again, it, it brings us back to, it's just like this magnet sometimes. It's even it's the same with John Wayne Gacy. It's this magnet. It's like we, we try to like get him out of the picture and then we have detectives saying, well, I don't know if I'd rule him out. Yeah. You know, so it's kind of scary when you look at it from that perspective. Uh, it, it, were they, I guess they were going, I just... I don't know. For me, I I know that when I grew up as a Catholic, which I still am, and I'm I'm a pretty big believer in my faith, I never went to other churches. I did. Okay. So Yeah, I did. Yeah, so, I mean, it happens. Because maybe it wasn't a preachy event. Maybe it was just like a a social gathering. I think it was, and I'll have to go look to make sure, but it was some sort of youth group thing. So I don't think it was necessarily a denomination specified, but more of a youth-oriented kind of events it was in shelbina though and we and i did come across uh, in the upcoming events in the hannibal courier post newspaper on monday so two days before they were supposed to go to the church event that it was actually on there 7 p.m it was in shelbina um so we know when and where but we just weren't sure we at first we thought all three of them were going then we thought just craig was going now i'm kind of kind of fallen back on that maybe the newspaper wasn't quite accurate in sure. its reporting which i fall i would want to fall towards that more so than the Karis report not being accurate so i'm going to fall back to as of right now all three of them were still planning on going to that church function yeah i, I mean like i know for a fact in the 1920s the newspapers you could read them from day to day and they spelled the limp name wrong. (laughs) Like you you're in St. Louis. How do you spell that name wrong? Is it typo or something like that? So there's a lot of inaccuracies, even in today's paper, there's a lot of things that are just, Nope, that's not the right address or that's not the right 
the fact that it is in Shelbina, the fact that in 1968 we have another missing kid that's about 36 miles in Monroe City from Shelbina. I mean, it's just that stretch of land for me. Why that's yeah. important is that people were taking trips to Shelbina. That wasn't like an oddity. Yeah. So it's something that we will look into in the season as well. I really want to cover some and other you know, missing I think you children. just mentioned Monroe City is on the way to Shelbina. On 36. Yeah. yeah. So, and that'll come back to play later this season. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So this season is, is full of... Um, a lot of leaps and bounds for us from a, I think from a creative investigative journalist standpoint, really trying to go outside the realm of the caves. I think that we've learned enough from what could happen in a cave. Well, what can happen when we go back to, and we're going to say it, Occam's razor, you know, least amount of assumptions, our boys weren't in a cave. And I know somebody and a lot of people post it. Well, I still think it's a cave collapse. Okay. If that's true, then why is the last eyewitness they're not in a cave? Yeah. And that's what I keep going back to, you know, least amount of assumptions. I'm not going to assume that these kids are lost in a cave. Also, 300 cave explorers, we're not finding anything. We're not even finding a shoe. We're mm-hmm. not finding flashlights. We're not finding anything. Right. Gum, candy wrappers, nothing. Like, it's kind of crazy to... Yeah. So it is kind of this weird eeriness. Um, so with that said, I think that you know, we cover some of our bases and we'll always go back. And especially the way you said that school. <laughs> yeah. I, I, again, that was the funny thing. When I was listening to the podcast, I was getting so angry at myself because I kept saying stole school and I knew it was stowel school. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it was, it's funny to, to, or was it, I, I don't remember which way it was. Now. <laughs> it's stole. Right? Stole. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I was saying stowel. That's yeah. right. Uh, Even Chad corrected you. Yeah. It's pretty funny. <laughs> <laughs> We're still getting corrected for that. Yeah. Because people will be in three three episodes and they'll be like, he's saying that. Wrong. Oh, yeah. And then I keep saying it wrong for like yeah. two more episodes. So I, I apologize. Think, yeah, and Strooby. Yeah, Stroob. I kept saying And I yeah. still think, uh, no no, no offense to the Strooby family, but I still think you need another E on the end of your name. <laughs> uh, I just think that's how that works. Anyway, so that's, that's kind of a wrap. There's one other big, big item. And if you want to take anything out of this, I'm going to go ahead and announce this because I think it's very important. And uh, this is something that you're probably going to go, oh my, for. (laughs) One of the big things that we talked about last season, when we got to the end of uh, the dig episodes, we talked about the mystery man and the troublemaker. And those were, again, about 10% of the Karis report has to do with those two items. And there's only, uh, it's like two and a half pages of the troublemaker and like one paragraph of the mystery man to allude to the mystery. So we, we pretty much found out from doing research that we know the, who the mystery man was. And that was Lloyd Atwood out of St. Louis. And, um, we were able to, the newspaper again, was not afraid to put his name in there. Nope. So Karis was the newspaper wasn't. However, the interesting thing about Lloyd is that we had, and I get to give credit to our research people. Our research people dug deep, dug super deep into trying to find his stuff about Lloyd. Couldn't find a single thing, which almost makes me wonder if his name's actually Lloyd Atwood. I don't know. We can't find an obituary. We can't find any records of that, of a name by that person in, in the St. Louis area. Yeah. We have a really solid team. Right oh now yeah. Of researchers. Like, yeah. Uh, we are. I'm, I'm going to mention Jackie, Jackie, Jackie Myrick, um, out of North Carolina, believe it or not. Mm-hmm. Good friend of the family. If you've seen the Christmas photo that I posted where we're all standing together, that's my brother-in-law and Jackie. And they did win the t-shirts because, uh, <laughs> for my other podcast. So we're all kind of standing together there. Jackie's been doing an amazing job. Yeah. And he's actually back on the scene. 
we have a couple other people that we really haven't gotten clearance yet yeah uh, to say their names and also just to protect them for what they do in their line of work as well so i will tell you this the with one of our other we we kind of started digging a little bit deeper because we knew this was getting out of our realm and so one of the people we actually do is have is a police profile like a police professional if you will he he's actually in law enforcement which is so great to have that insight because that really has come in handy in the last couple months so i mentioned the mystery man not knowing about lloyd we're still digging into that may not be his real name uh, but we're working on that i want to talk about the troublemaker okay uh because i'm going to put two and two together here most of the people are going to catch this pretty quick just so we know too the troublemaker has often been just so there's a good tie-in here, Chris. Mm-hmm. The troublemaker has also been assumed that this person might have been John Wayne Gacy. Right, absolutely, and that yeah. was kind of an assumption. I think even John Wingate's book mentions that is yes. that it puts that together with with the troublemaker and and with Gacy. But we we we're going a different approach, and um, I. So let me put your two and two together first. We had an episode, which is probably, I think you said, is our most popular episode. And it's a, by Ray the name Farrier. of Ray Farrier. Yep. We've been able to find some more research to put it together that, and this is it. Here's your announcement. We're pretty sure, I would say about 90% sure, that Ray Farrier is the troublemaker. We go to the Chris stats. Yeah. We go to the Chris Crafts. Yep. Chris Crafts. Yep. Um, it, it, 90%. Yeah. We're really... And We're getting closer. Um, one of our researchers, law enforcement, is on this with us, which is making it even more gripping. Mm-hmm. We're involving another police officer uh, who wants to come on and help as well. And uh, they're really busy right now. Try to aiding everything that's happening in our world. But at the same time, in their downtime, they've both expressed interest to be a part of season two. And to kind of help us chase this rabbit down the hole as well and we'll announce that at a future episode but yes ray farrier is one of our most popular episodes but i will point out that i think we got so much publicity with the radio shows that i've been doing in st louis and the stuff for promoting lemp film that for some strange reason chris the last episode has like 2300 downloads, <laughs> and they're like i'm just gonna finale. go and listen i'm just gonna listen to the season finale yeah. and just get everything out that's of where all the info's at right exactly. yeah it's not actually <laughs> no. if you're a new listener um, I hope you've enjoyed this last 25 minutes of us doing an intro. Yeah. But you should really stop right now and go through all the seasons and, and just, just not seasons, go through all the episodes of season one just because I think you're going to be lost in the sauce yeah. if you don't. It's hard for us to keep coming back to it because, uh, you know, it, it, as, a, as a professor in college, the one thing that we're taught, University of Miami when I was teaching there, the one thing I was taught is you go as slow you go as fast as your slowest student in the classroom. Mm-hmm. That's how you teach. Makes sense. You know, because, but there's always that student's like, well, how do I get ahead? Mm. That's where the discussion groups come in. Yeah. That's where researching Good point. with us comes in. This is where you can do more in our episodes because, once again, we are going as fast as our slowest listener in and of itself. And really, we spent uh, the first seven episodes of season one are pretty much your meat and potatoes of, of, of research. And, and, and for those that have listened to all now 16 episodes, uh, now you're going to be like, stop talking about that. <laughs> you know, so 100%. we don't want to, we don't want to, we don't want to go down that road with those people either. But so anyway, again, the big storyline here 
And I want to kind of highlight just a little bit of why we're, we're saying that. It's because we found some information about uh, that Karras mentioned to a newspaper, uh, the Quincy Herald Wake. He actually mentioned it in a newspaper article as being quoted as having a person that, again, not giving away too much detail, but is was in the same location as we know Ray Farrier was because of the map that we Correct. talked about. So that kind of put, that's one piece of the puzzle and there's other pieces of the puzzle so much. so that we've actually talked to our detective or our police professional. And it was said, do we need to go to the next step? And he went, yes, you need to contact the next step. So that's where we're at with, with this right now. Again, uh, Ray Farrier is not the person's real name, so we're not giving that away because we don't want to go down that road still of, of incrimination. And um, so, but keep that in mind that we're, and once we have more information, we will be passing that along on the podcast. And Jackie has been able to put together a lot on this guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have a, we have a paper trail. Yeah. We have, he's an entry, he's an odd duck. Very. Uh, so, you know, whether he was trying to, you know, I got really into the Zodiac. Uh, you know, because, you know, Arthur Lee is the guy that's the suspect, but he has a heart attack, dies, they never get to prosecute him. So I think that when you when you look at cases like this, he loved to send to send letters and to mis, misdirect people. And, you know, was this type of a copycat? Well, this is going on at the same time. Yeah. The newspaper, the Zodiac letters are going to the newspaper at the same time. Was this somebody that was doing something very Zodiac-ish? You mm-hmm. know, he wasn't putting the little, you know, the, the, the mark every time he sent a letter. But still, I think that that's something that they would have picked up in a, in a Herald and read about the Zodiac Killer. So it's neither here nor there, but at the same time, it's, it's, it's an interesting correlation. So as we jump into it here at the halfway mark, since we're, <laughs> this is usually when our episode ends, yeah, uh, we're going to keep going for you guys just because of the, the recent uh, COVID-19 stuff that's going on. We're not going to spend a lot of time on that, but you know, we hope you're safe. We hope you're listening to this. And we're going to jump right into... Uh, John Wayne Gacy there, Chris. Yeah, let's do it. I, I think that you've, uh, we've both spent some time uh, going through and looking at Gacy and there's, uh, what's that documentary on Netflix that's so good? Um, it's on Hulu. Oh, it's on Hulu. Okay. And uh, this is Jason Moran, Detective Sergeant Jason Moran with the Cook County Sheriff's. He's done an incredible job. Uh, there were eight unidentified bodies in Gacy's house. And this is the known as the murder house, the 33 Um bodies that were found in the Cook County house. Uh, when John Wayne Gacy was sentenced to imprisonment and then a death penalty, we had still not identified these eight missing bodies. And I can get into the capital punishment thing in another episode, but <laughs> I am highly against it when it comes to a serial killer. These people we need to study. We need to understand them. Uh, not as much. It just doesn't seem like it's a big thing anymore. Uh, man, in the 60s, you know, from 67 to like 75, we just had so many different serial killers. Do you think it's not, maybe it's not as prevalent because they're not getting caught as much? That, but I read this really strange article about video games and how some people are getting satiated by being able to kill multiple people online. So it's like curbing their... Appetite. Oh, wow. Very wow. strange article. Uh, maybe you strange. need to post that if you get a chance. That's an interesting article. I'd yeah. love to read that. Yeah, John Wayne Gacy is a, is a fascinating subject. I was on a panel recently, and somebody in the audience, very snarky comment, came up and he basically said, "Well, you guys are just obsessed with murderers, and I think it's I think it's sickening." 
My first question was why you're here. Um, <laughs> <laughs> my second comment was we're not obsessed with the killers. We're obsessed with getting the victims justice because of the killers. Mm-hmm. In order to understand how the victim died, you have to understand who killed them and why. And that creates this path forward. In the case of John Wayne Gacy, who is one of the most sought after serial killers because of how many people he killed, it's known that he killed 33. The research here is done by my personal close friend and business partner, Jeremy David King. Him and his wife, Sarah, put this together because they're, they're Gacy enthusiasts, but not in the bad way. In right. the way that, you know, why is somebody like this? You know, how could we have gotten to Gacy earlier? So with that said, I'm going to go through the timeline, but only as it affects the boys. Okay. Like, um, I will preface that with his last two victims that John Moran from, it's actually called Legacy. Mm. Um, and it's on, uh, it's on Hulu. You guys should check it out. John Moran, it's a three-part. It's great. We watched it. Yeah, it's good. It's phenomenal. His mm-hmm. last two victims that John Moran, actually Detective Sergeant John Moran, actually found were Bill Bundy and uh, Jimmy Hackinson. Those were, we know that are his last two victims. And just to put it in perspective, Bill Bundy was 19 years old. Jimmy was 16. His youngest victim was 14, right at Greg's age, Craig's age. So it's something to consider. Now, we don't have anything on, Bun- on um, we don't have anything on Gacy that is killing younger than that. We know that all his killings began in 1972. We have nothing pre-1972 that we know of. Now, could John Wayne Gacy could have been a liar? He was an absolute incredible liar. Now, Wingate's made that point mm-hmm. before. However, if you have nothing to lose, you're getting the death penalty. You would think, and this is often asked that question, you would often think that, well, why doesn't he just come clean? That's part of being a serial killer. It's, it's the same thing I said about Zodiac Killer. He loved to keep people thinking. You know, Zodiac Killer actually wrote the detective that was on the case, and he said, um, hope I can help you find him. Hmm. So very strange. Gacy wasn't a writer, but Gacy was a BSer. He was somebody that loved to talk. He was a good salesperson. When you go into his life, John Wayne Gacy was born on March 17th, uh, 1942. At age 11, he was hit in the head uh, with a swing, and this caused a blood clot, and it went unnoticed till he was 16. Oh, wow. Yes. He suffered from headaches. He was passing out a lot. We do believe it affected his thinking and certain aspects of his brain. At age 17, he was diagnosed with a nonspecific heart ailment. So we knew that he couldn't keep a lot of his sports and being athletic. And I think that he had this really horrible relationship with his father. It's something that should be mentioned. His father didn't think much of him. He constantly thought that his son was homosexual and he would be driven into his head his entire life, that he wasn't man enough and he didn't do manly things and he just didn't make his father proud. He drops out of high school and he moved to Las Vegas and he was working as a janitor in a funeral home, which... That entire sequence is just strange for me. Uh, Wanting to be around the dead. Wanting to be a janitor in Las Vegas. After that, he ends up attending Northwestern Business College, Hmm. which is just strange. So it's somewhere in that point he must have gotten his high school uh, diploma or equivalent. GED, yeah. 
He was very smart. John Wayne Gacy was not a stupid man by any means. I mean, remember, 33 kills. Well, he ended up owning a business and things like oh, that, God, too. Yeah. Right? He had a con- contracting company when you know, this all went down. So he was a very, very smart person. And um, it's something that is undeniable. He was you, able- you, hold on a second. You mentioned it. I don't think I've mentioned it before. Um, and keep this in mind. I'm going to go ahead and say it. Ray Ferrier had a contracting company, too. He sure did. <laughs> Is Ray Ferrier and John Wayne Gacy the same person? <laughs> Ooh. No. <laughs> no, he's not. He's not Let's actually. just go ahead and say no. <laughs> no, he's not. Um, after business school, he actually started working for Bush Nunn and was transferred to Springfield, Illinois, which is not far from Hannibal. How far is that, Chris? About two, two and a half hours. Okay. He worked there internally for Robert's Brothers Clothing Store. What and year is this again? This is roughly right around 1965. Okay. So he, uh, this is where he meets his wife, uh, Marilyn Myers. Um, he marries her that year in September. Uh, 1965, he becomes vice president of the Springfield JCs. If you're not familiar with the JCs are, it's a business league. Mm-hmm. It's a bunch of business owners, business prospects. They come together and they have these meetings. And it's a, basically a place where you network with a lot of people and influential people in the city. He starts appearing as Pogo the Clown around the same time. Now it is to keep in mind, there was a film called Killer Clown. He never killed any child in a clown costume. That is a common misconception uh, within the John Gacy stories and, and lore now that we have. Marilyn's parents, so he marries into this family. And she was pretty well-to-do. Her father had uh, three Kentucky Fried Chickens. And he did like John a lot. He thought John was very smart. He was a good businessman. So he puts them, this is 65 now. So he puts John in charge of all three of these Kentucky Fried Chickens. Where was that at? This is in Iowa. Is that Waterloo? This is Waterloo, Iowa. And at the same time that we're seeing this uh, happen, (laughs) you have to understand, you know, breaking the little timeline here, but you have to understand what the hospitality and fast food business is like. Uh, I come from a family of restaurateurs. They've owned restaurants their entire life. That's another podcast. But um, <laughs> the the idea of, of being a manager in a fast food restaurant is a 24-hour business, especially if you're running three. And this is roughly around the same time that our Hannibal story becomes bring, is brought to life. So let's just keep that in the back of your head because when you get to soul speak, you're talking yeah. about a guy that's traveling around. Okay. And you just can't do that if you're running three restaurants. You just can't. I don't know where you find the time, especially um, at this point, um, he becomes the vice president of the Waterloo JC. So from Springfield, okay, and this is in 1967. Mm-hmm. So the same year that essentially Greg, Joey, and Billy go missing, he is now the vice president of the Waterloo JCs. And also people start to think that John is a homosexual because of attention he gives to young boys around town. So there is this, Waterloo is a small town where he's working in a certain business circles. There are There is this, you know, people talk. And so people are starting to mention that, wow, he spends a lot of time with young people. Hmm. And that's kind of weird. Uh, so much so that he actually builds um, a basement in his, in his house where he entertains the youth, the young hmm. people. And gets them drunk and shows them pornographic magazines and all these different things. It's very strange. Um, in 1967, uh, he also 
uh, st- this is this club that he starts in his in his basement where he gives the young boys drugs and alcohol. And at some point, some of those boys that lived said that John would take advantage of them into an uncomfortable leather. A kid by the name of Donald Voorhees, which is my favorite last name because I'm a horror fan, <laughs> uh, went to the police and accused him of sodomy. Now, can you give us a date on that? 1967. Do you, do you know what, what like <clears throat> a month? This was in summer. Summer. Okay. So August. Now, let's step back in just a second. I think uh, one of the interesting parts uh, with 1967 was, 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 wasn't one of his children born in 67 yes. too? Yes. He had a child at this point and he had one on the way. Okay. Uh, so his son, I believe, would be born when he was in prison. Okay. Because he does actually go away for this. This son, Donald, Donald Voorhees, ends up being a son of one of the people in the JCs. So one of the business networking mm, things. Okay. probably a stupid thing to do. I'm mm-hmm. um, not thinking. Uh, he does something very strange, too. Uh, Voorhees, I guess, threatens Gacy that, hey, I can't. This is terrible. I'm going to tell my dad. I'm going to tell people. And so he pays a kid to beat up Voorhees. Whoa. Yeah. That was, was not what I was expecting him to say. But it also shows a pattern. This was a person that if he was a murderer at this point, that kid would be dead. Why would you pay somebody to beat up a kid to not talk? True. Very true. So once again, this is that pattern that we're trying to look for in his behavior. Do I think that Gacy killed anybody before 1972? I do not. Yeah. Uh, just because of that one incident is very strange. Gacy, first and foremost, involved another person. And I think it was more about his pride and ego that he did not want to be seen as this sodomite, but also as a homosexual. I mean, this is still the 60s and 70s. Mm-hmm. not not looked upon in, in a great way in, in this point in our history, right? For keeping history relevant to the times, this is not good. So Gacy pays the kid to beat up Voorhees, and then when he goes to trial for sodomy and child molestation, he is sentenced to 10 years imprisonment. Wow. Mm-hmm. In 1969, while he's in prison, Marilyn divorces John, and he never sees his family again. Hmm. Never. Never sees the kids or anything? Nothing. Wow. Nothing. Uh, but also in 1969, on Christmas Day, Gacy's dad passes away, and John never really got to make amends with him. Hmm. It was his biggest regret. And the reason why we say amends is because when Gacy did get married back in the 66 and 67, his dad actually apologized to him hmm. and said that I'm really sorry for doubting you. You've, you've become a great man. He had a family. He was running three businesses. He was a manager. He had kind of come into life very differently than his father projected that he would become. And I think that his father was getting older and I think there was more estrogen in his blood. Hmm. And I, I think that he saw his son and recognized that, man, you know, this is really nice. He has a beautiful wife. He has a kid on the way. I'm a grandfather. He's doing all the right things. He's making all the right moves. And then when this happens, his father just, I think he just broke his father's heart. I think at this point his father was like, man. Mm, You know, and so he dies. And it was said that Gacy cried for days when he heard that in prison that his father had died because he was never really able to make amends with it. And I think it's something that, you know, he held while he's in prison. He uh, um, he starts at JC in prison. He starts like a like a 
like a men's club in prison. Wow. Where he's teaching people how to be business owners and all these different things. So much so that the prison system recognizes that maybe he just made a mistake and he got drunk one night and some weird stuff happened. And so he was able to do it. So in, in, in spite of the 10 years that Iowa State Prison gave him, mm-hmm. he only serves 16 to 18 months. Wow. So one report says 16, another report says 18 months. Um, and Gacy is paroled. He moves back to Chicago. He's living with his mother. Very important. Uh, he works as a cook. So when he was in prison, he was a cook in prison. And mm-hmm. so he started having all these different organizations. And everybody that met John Wayne Gacy loved him. He had an alias, and he called his alias Jack. And he said that Jack was the one that killed. Hmm. Now, whether or not he was just really sly, whether it was that blood clot from way back when that kind of did something to his brain, we don't really know what provoked him, but we did know that something did come out of the 18 months in prison. He would never, ever want to be in prison again. And he said this. He said that if ever I'm in a position with sodomy, and I do something, I'm going to kill the kid. I'm never ever going to have a kid put me away again. And so when you look at the murders that would befall him after he gets out of prison, had he has stayed the course and, and served his 10 years, 33 kids would have been alive because his killing streak ends in really in 78. Hey, hold on a second. Did you just say Jack? Yeah. So John, John Wayne Gacy, uh, did say that in court and when he was trying to get you know a stay of execution he did say that he had a split personality multiple personality disorder and that he did not kill but Jack did so I know I already know that our our crack team of discussion group people and Facebook is going to bring this up so I'm going to go ahead and bring it up now <laughs> uh, going back to our good old buddy Ray Farrier we read the letters if you go back to that episode one of the PS's and it, this lit up in my mind as soon as I, I looked it up so I had to look it up to get it for sure in Ray's letter one of his PS's says tell Jack he was their last hope for rescue so we have another Jack, just to throw that out there. Oh, boy. We've had a Jack name. Now, is there a connection? Yeah, probably not. But it's very interesting that Jack's brought up in Ray Farrier's letter. But, Chris, Daniel Hoag's middle name was Jack. Oh, yeah. Daniel is one of the brothers with Joey and Billy. So, yeah, I mean, that that's a name. Again, it's a middle name. So, and again, would he really, unless he went by Jack, which is something we'll have to find out. I have a lot of friends that go by their middle name. Yeah? Okay. It is a thing in my family too. Okay. You get kind of t- you get kind of sick in my family with all the Paulies and Sallies and Vinnies and ugh. and then my, <laughs> my my sister had the audacity to call her son Vinny. Just look at another one. Really? Add another one. Uh. You know. But Jack, Dan. I mean, did. But then then again, it's kind of accusatory. I don't want to accuse yeah, anybody no. from the family right now. And and, uh, and again, it's it's a stretch. I mean, it in, in it, we we know with Ray's letters are all across the uh, board, so he could just be throwing something there. Or you want to go conspiracy theory way to the left? Maybe John Wayne Gacy was there. He called himself Jack, and Jack and Ray were both there at. I'm not even through the timeline. You're already in a rabbit <laughs> hole. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> keep going. <laughs> all right, there. Uh, Briar Rabbit. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> little Briar Rabbit over here. <laughs> Actually, I mean, that's that's pretty much it. In 1970, after serving 18 months, Gacy is paroled. He moves back to Chicago. Uh, he lives with his mother, and he works as a cook because that's what he did in prison. In 1971, Gacy buys himself a house. It's a beautiful house, too. 
He is accused of disorderly conduct when he tries to force a male prostitute into sex. The charges were dropped when the man didn't show to court. But Iowa never learned of the incident and discharged Gacy from parole Hmm. in October. This right here sets the standard. Had Iowa been flagged for that? And once again, it's technology, right? Had this happened today? Wouldn't have. Email, computer system, automatic update. But back then, because he was in a different state entirely. They didn't know. But he would have went back to prison. He would have served that 10 years out. And once again, it's just this weird thing where 33 lives could have been salvaged had this person just served their term. Yeah. And Gacy might have been better for it, too. Yeah. You never know. So, so that kind of wraps it up. With well, your... in 1972 is his first confirmed kill, yeah, and that was Timothy McCoy, and that that started everything in Chicago. That's when he started killing, yeah, and he killed one specific way. There are 33 bodies in the house. There's only one, one other killing, uh, aside from strangulation. Uh, all the all the boys that were in that house, and they all look the same. It's very eerie. Uh, they had definitely had the the boyish, you know, Boy Scout look, the longer hair. Um, I don't think our boys carried longer hair, but they all kind of looked. He had a. He definitely had a specific type. His youngest victim being fourteen, and as we know, Greg uh, was fourteen. Greg was a bigger kid. Uh, from some of the stuff that I read, Greg was no slouch by any means. He was he was a pretty big kid for fourteen. Um, and so, you know, when you look at it from the perspective of well. Would Gacy go after three boys? Now, we know that Gacy went after multiple boys, and we know this because of the way he buried them. Hmm. He buried two boys on top, and they basically decomposed around the same time. So That happened twice, right? happened twice. Yeah. So this was a person that would abduct people, and he would abduct multiple people. And a lot of times he did this in a, in a certain district in Chicago that were prostitutes. They were male prostitutes. And so he would threaten to be a police officer. He drove a black Oldsmobile, which were the same kind of car. He had fake police badges. This is how he lured people into the car, which is important for our case. I'm not, John Wayne Gacy might not be the only person that was doing that. Mm-hmm. Think about the opportunistic killer. Think about the person that, like, that's a really smart, you get a black car, you get an Oldsmobile, you get a, you get a police badge. And you yeah. can put anybody in your car. And he was showing police badges too, he wasn't was. he? Absolutely. Yeah. That's how he got most of his victims in the car, especially when he did multiples. And so John Moran makes a detective sergeant John Moran for Cook County Sheriff does an incredible job of tracking him down. He actually solves three cold cases in three episodes. Yeah. And now they're not all John Wayne Gacy victims, but this guy is incredible. I want to have John on our show so bad. I've emailed him, I know he's really busy, but he is a hero. He is a Chicago hero right now. And let's dig into that a little bit. And one of the things I want to go ahead and point out, we came across a newspaper. I think we came across it was a newspaper article saying that the Hogue and Dow DNA was submitted yes. to to him. Yes. And I think actually even John Wingate picks up on that. They did submit Hogue and Dow DNA during this crisis in the 80s and 70s. Unfortunately, this is so far out of the realm when he starts killing people. Right until when they find this is seventy eight, so you're you're going almost twenty years from our incidents, mm-hmm. and there's no way that there's no way that he kept three boys locked up somewhere in Waterloo and then moved into a house that he bought. It's just it's 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 that's not possible. It's not possible. No, it's no. a stretch. In fact, we do know that he his house filled up. Um, he had him underneath his office floor. He had him underneath the basement floor, the cross base, and then he was still killing. 
He was dumping them in the, ri- the river. Correct. Right? There are there are five that he's he said that he did five over the bridge. They only found four. So there is a missing missing person out there. So I and I so I do want to dig into this a little bit since we're we're talking about that and is one of the and and John Wingate and us if you followed social media we've had our little bumps um, against each other sure. if you want to call it whatever you want to call it um, and one of those was on this particular issue I brought up that that when once once John Wayne Gacy was convicted and he was going to be put to murder or put to, to the death penalty he told he told somebody he's like there was 33 yeah. that was it mm-hmm. he's like I didn't do there was no more and he said this was when the first one happened I think he admitted this is when the first one happened he actually said that to a detective yeah I at that point in time and my feelings and it's my personal feelings is that dude has nothing to lose at that point in time. He has no reason. It's not like you can get in less trouble if you say, oh, there was three others in 1967. John disagrees with that. And you brought it up earlier was he said that, you know, John said John Wingate said, well, he's a a serial killer. Of course, he's going to lie. In my opinion, he had no reason to lie. It was past that point. And also, he only interviewed one time. Yeah. So I think that's a very important note. The series um, also makes a point of this. He actually, They actually show the interview. There was a young uh, hip shot. I think he was a news reporter. No, I think he was a lawyer. He's a lawyer, very good-looking guy. And John Wayne Gacy kind of called him over. And he said, um, started asking him questions. And before you know it, they started videotaping John Wayne Gacy and he, he, he explained exactly how he killed the kids. He explained why he killed the kids. He explained what was, everything was perfect. And we were, they were getting all this information out of John Wayne Gacy. Okay. And then a journalist, a little rat from a newspaper, a little fake news guy wants to put out something to be, do a, this whole, like, you know, you have this 33, um, killer, murder house right and he mm-hmm. wants to get you know his his piece of yeah. that pie puts out an article and john wayne gacy never did another article mm-hmm. he never did another interview he never did and he's completely shut down never talked to anybody at that point he was denying that he killed anybody and this yeah. is when jack starts appearing and and they had this one last shot of him saying well they thought i killed all these kids i'm like dude there's 33 people in your house like who yeah. did it? your mom <laughs> like, exactly you know and so when you read through soul speak and a little bit of actually Lost Boys of Hannibal and John Wingate. I'm going to put John Wingate here on the spot, and he's always welcome. There's a third mic here. He's always welcome to come on the show and plead this case yes, to me. absolutely. Because uh, we have all the documents in front of us. And and the thing that I really wanted to – and, you know, at the, like the, almost at the 53-minute mark here, and, you know, I think our listeners are like, yay, they're going longer. Um, <laughs> well, s- stay with us because I have I have something from the FBI, Chris. Yeah, ooh. Yes, okay. I do. Incredible police officer um, who was a chief in Hannibal Police Department. His name was Franklin Neff. Now, I hope he's still alive. I really do. Because he believed John Wayne Gacy was involved Hmm. with the Lost Boys of Hannibal. So much so that he actually reached out to the field office in the FBI. Giving you chills yet? A little bit. (laughs) I want to read this letter from the FBI. Please. <laughs> don't 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 hold off anymore. Just go, Frankie. <laughs> Stop with the cliffhanger. <laughs> Somebody's like, you know, in the middle of an email to their boss and they're just like, hurry up. Mm-hmm. 
So this is from. That reminds me of that email that we. I'm sorry, I'm going to delay this. It reminds me of a <laughs> message we got from one. It might have been a review where one of the people was like, he was at work and he was like, my boss is telling me to do stuff. And I'm just like, shut up, leave me alone. I'm listening to the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to solve the three missing boys. <laughs> I'm onto something. Yeah, it's like it's like the film Zodiac. Yeah. Right? You're supposed to be doing something else and you're right. trying to solve this. Um, so I feel the like the FBI letter. Yeah, the FBI letter. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> I feel like that. Feel like that meme from "It's Always Sunny," where all the things on the wall and stuff. <laughs> right. Um, so, Chief J. Uh, Franklin Neff, Hannibal Police Department, seventy-seven, triple oh, seven, uh, Broadway, Hannibal, Missouri, six three four zero one is how it's addressed. Dear Chief Neff, references made to your previous request for investigative assistance by the Federal Bureau of Investigation to determining the whereabouts of John Wayne Gacy during nineteen sixty-seven, with regard to the with regard to his possible involvement in an investigation initiated in 1967. So there was an investigation hmm. and, I, and I wanted to point that out and I'm not saying anything wrong with the Hannibal police department. There was an FBI investigation. There was an investigation okay. in 1967 that they initiated that the Hannibal police department initiated. Oh, the Hannibal police. There is a report. Okay. Cause it's based on this file. Interesting. Mm-hmm. In 1967 by Hannibal, Missouri police department, and the Cook County, Illinois Sheriff's Department, and the state attorney's office. This is all initiated right here. Through, through contact with the, um, is that Des Plaines, Illinois? Des Plaines. Des Plaines, Illinois. Des Plaines, Illinois, the police department, it was determined that previous investigation conducted by that department indicated that Gacy had assisted his father-in-law in the operation of several Kentucky Fried Chicken restaurants in the Waterloo, Iowa area during 1967 and 1960, during 1966 and 1967, at which time Gacy's mother resided in Little Rock, Arkansas. So this letter really opened that up for us because we could not find anything. Mm-hmm. FBI is saying she was living in Arkansas. Information was also provided that Gacy was believed to have been previously affiliated with the JCs in Springfield, Illinois and Waterloo, Iowa, although no information has been developed by that department indicating that Gacy had ever resided in Hannibal, Missouri. Further, it is believed that an interview of Gacy is not deemed feasible at this time in view of pending prosecutive proceedings. So Franklin Neff tried to get in. He wanted to interview interview him. But he never got the chance. He never gets the chance. Information which also provided by the Cook County, Illinois State's Attorney's Office indicated that Gacy was married in Springfield, Illinois in 1964, and following his move to Waterloo, Iowa in 1966, he was involved in some type of trouble in Waterloo, Iowa in 1967, which carried over into 1968. So this is where I was telling you, this is where he gets, this is where he gets indicted for child mm-hmm. molestation and sodomy. Uh, through subsequent investigation conducted by the Springfield Division of the Federal Bureau of Investigation, Gacy's father-in-law was located and interviewed in Springfield, Illinois, on December 3rd, 1979, at which time he recalled that Gacy had been previously employed at the Roberts Brothers Clothing Store in Springfield, Illinois, until around 1966, at which time Gacy moved to Waterloo, Iowa, where he assisted in the operation of three Kentucky Fried Chicken restaurants for the next several years. Further advised that, to his knowledge... Gacy never resided or was employed in Hannibal, Missouri. No other, no other information of value was 
developed which indicated that Gacy had ever been to Hannibal, Missouri at any time in the past. I trust that the above information will be a benefit to your department in connection with this investigative matter, and it is indeed a pleasure to have had the opportunity to assess your department in this regard. Very truly yours, Rob Clagger Jr., special agent in charge. Okay, I'm gonna uh, let me dissect this for a minute. It feels like it's getting boxed. If I was in the police chief's position there, I would almost feel like that I'm getting boxed out because, and not only that, but you're also um, you're also putting it on saying it's he put a lot of emphasis on him not living in Hannibal and not so much of visiting Hannibal, even though he does kind of, I think there's a little sentence there. So he mentions there's no proof that they, he's been in Hannibal, but it's unfortunate. I will in my meter, you know, I'm going on my stats. I know when we were talking about this earlier, you're going through his history. My stat, my numbers just felt like they were going down. And then you read this letter and then it kind of went, wait a minute. <laughs> it's kind of going up a little bit. Uh, and that's because just, and, and again, devil's advocate here is just because he's never lived in Hannibal or worked in Hannibal, or we don't have a, a gas receipt from a Hannibal gas station doesn't mean he hasn't been in Hannibal. I'm going to bring this out to you. And I think this is a point that John had in his book that I really do feel confident about water. If you do a Google, do Google maps, do Waterloo, Iowa to little rock, Arkansas. Tell me what path you go down. I'll let me, I'll go ahead and tell you right now. You're going to go down highway 61, which is Hannibal. You go right through Hannibal. That is the quickest route from Waterloo, Iowa to little rock, Arkansas. So to say that he's never ever visited Hannibal, Missouri, not only is he, his mom is in little rock Springfield's only two hours away. A lot of times if you're going to Springfield to Kansas city or Springfield to, you know, somewhere in Iowa, you're going through Quincy and Hannibal to get to those locations. So the odds, in my opinion of, of John Wayne Gacy never being in Hannibal, Missouri is very small. I, I think the chances of him being there in Hannibal actually is very big, you know? So that's my, that's where I'm at right now. Where okay. I don't know where you feel about it, but Okay. I'm I'm not going to argue with you. <laughs> I'm not because when I read it, I was like I need more information because I'm an investigative guy. I do this true crime stuff with you. I I put out my first documentary on a true crime that I believe was a cover up of a suicide. At the same time when you watch other people's fine work in documentary footage, if you watch the documentary on Henry Lee Lucas, okay, the Texas Rangers still believe he killed that many people hmm. because of their ignorance and because of their ego and their pride. Right. People are telling them there's no way this guy could have killed this person if he was here. That's like five states away. <laughs> <laughs> like we actually have him clocking into work and you're saying that he killed this <laughs> he person. Person, yeah. Right. It's like there's no way. At the same time, I think that but when you look at Neff, right, like, God, I want to talk to this guy mm. because he must have thought something. He must have. He looked at Greg's photo and he looked at Billy's photo and he looked, he's like, man, this guy has killed multiple kids. He said he was a cop. What if these kids were hitchhiking? They just said they need a ride. This guy pulls off in a black Oldsmobile with a police badge. They feel safe. They get in the back seat. You know, he's thinking like a detective, like a cop, right? Like we've always said about that. And I do agree to the fact that when you look at Henry Lee Lucas, every police department in America was calling the Texas Rangers and saying, could he have done this one? Could he have done this one? Because we have all these open cases. Like mm -hmm. I said, I mean, I think last season, there's over 130,000 cold cases in America. And you're saying that the the people that were handling Gacy were, were 
getting the same thing that they were getting. Oh yeah. Getting hundreds of letters from police chiefs across the country saying, I think Gacy killed this one. Right. Yeah. They would look at, they would basically look at their, their victim and say, Oh my God, that that's right up John Wayne Gacy's alley. Which I think is, is kind of why it, uh, it feels to me that the, what you just read the reply back is kind of a boilerplate response. I, I almost think that he's probably, if we go to another police department and ask for that information because they sent a letter out because John Doe was murdered and he was 15 years old in, in some city, we're going to get the same boilerplate response because they've had to probably write that letter 150 times now. Well, they're probably overwhelmed. And, and the other thing that I, that I do want to point out here, which I think is, is very valid, is that John Wayne Gacy was not an FBI case. It was. It wasn't. It was not because it wasn't interstate, right? Is that no? Because the person that um, the person that basically caught John Wayne Gacy was a police officer. Mm. He was a sheriff, and he was looking for um, Robert Peast. Robert Peast goes missing oh, last right. last time Robert Peast is seen. Well, this guy, this contractor guy, offers him a job. He's like, "Well, who's that guy?" I was like, "John Wayne Gacy." Yeah, Jack knew him. Jack hired him. He goes to Jack's house. Gets a police warrant to search the place. Notices the smell goes down to the cross space. Before you know it, he sees a puddle of blood with worms hanging out of it. Mm. He starts digging around. He pulls out an arm. Jeez. So that's how Gacy gets found out. He just wasn't home. Yeah. Because I'm sure Gacy, I don't know. You know, when you look at it, this is not an FBI case at that point. It was yeah. never looked at as an FBI case. We had these, I'm sure that the, 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 the FBI had a case on these missing persons and they were looking for somebody, mm-hmm. but John Wayne Gacy was never, ever a suspect. Hmm. So it's not somebody that they were following or chasing. So the fact that it does come from the FBI is always like, oh my God, the FBI, the smartest people. Mm-hmm. No. The Zodiac Killer made it very clear, and I keep comparing the two because this is the same time the Nightcrawler is happening. This is the same time that uh, we have Nightcrawler 2 and 1, so 1 and 2, the Golden State Killer, also mm-hmm. known as him. Uh, he was a cop. Okay, something we have to keep in mind. Uh, he gets found out 40 years later. Just just last, I mean, they won everything. Stranger in the Window, that podcast won everything. It became a documentary because they pretty much solved the Golden State Killer at that point. And it was a comedian's wife, actually. She wrote a book, and she knew it was him. And she ends up dying of like a blood clot or something. And I wish I had a, those numbers in front of me. And those, and those, we'll probably post to our Facebook of who that comedian is. He's a really funny guy. He was on... Um, uh, a couple shows on TV too, but his wife actually cracked the case. She wrote the book and she knew it was a cop. Hmm. And it's really cool to kind of see like her dream of solving this mystery was yeah. solved in, in her death. So, um, but when you look at Zodiac killer, he always would talk about how dumb the police departments were and how, how stupid the FBI was. It's like, I'm right here. <laughs> and he really was. He was working in a hardware store. Yeah. You know, and it was like, it, I'm easy to track. I've shown my face numerous times. How can you not find me? At one point, the Zodiac Killer is stopped by two officers after he just killed somebody. Yeah. But they said that the Zodiac Killer was black male. Yeah. So it's just yeah. this, you know, this really strange whirlwind of how close they came to it. In the case of John Wayne Gacy, the thing that's fascinating about John Wayne Gacy is the fact that he was able to do this and he only gets caught. Because he's not at home to receive a call. Yeah. And that's really what happens. It's I mean, by accident. It's yeah. by accident. And a lot of people will tell you that. And so in my own investigative search, when I looked at that letter, I was kind of right where you were. So I needed to reach out to John Wayne Gacy's family. And, and let me throw something. I know I know where you're going here. Let me throw something real quick in. Is that 
uh, one of the things John says in his book is that Mother's Day, and we've, we put this yes. into play, is that Mother's Day was on Sunday, May 14th. It would have been four days prior to when um, the boys went missing in Hannibal. So the timeline kind of does work if, if, if John wanted to go see his mom for Mother's Day and if he left a little bit early. But again, I... I, going back to the working at the Kentucky Fried Chickens and managing three Kentucky Fried Chickens, I think it'd be hard to take a week off. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know. I I do want to go back to that too, is because I did at one point in time work as a manager at a fast food restaurant. I wouldn't have had it that hard of a time taking time off. So as a manager, yeah, yeah. So uh, running three restaurants. Well, I was only you're doing an area, one. <laughs> he's an area, he's an area director at this point, right? So, I, but again, I, I, I still, I don't know. Anyway, go ahead. With I mean, I'm sure saying. he gets vacation. Right? Yeah, exactly. But he's not going to take his wife and his kids. Oh, good point. Good point. I didn't think about he's that. Leave his, yeah. You would think that all the work that he's doing, he wants to spend more time mm-hmm. with his kids and his family. Right. Right. Um, but he does end up living in Chicago with his mother. He's killing all these boys in the basement, burying them with his mother in the house, which yeah. I find very ugh, bizarre. And it creeps me out a little bit, but Chris, you know me and you know I'm the one thing about Frankie is resilient and if I'm looking for somebody I will get them to at least talk <laughs> yes, to me yes yes I've heard that um, seen it and so I actually reached out to John Wayne Gacy's sister and I got a response from her great so this was kind of like that cliffhanger of the end of last season so I think it's kind of worth it it's very short it's very brief but I asked her and I sent her the FBI police reports that she had never seen before and she said, um, first and foremost, her name is Karen Kuzman. She's been on a couple shows. She does not want any involvement in anything. So do not reach out to her. Do not try to stalk her. Do not visit her at her house. Do not do anything commutative. She doesn't want to talk about this anymore. She's moved on with her own life. She has a great life. She's a good person. She's a great person. Um, she has nothing to do with this. You know, She's, of course, empathetic to the families and to her, her own blood that he would do something like this because they knew a totally different John, right? So we have to be empathetic to that. At the same time, she did want to answer me. She did want to say, I do not know. She said, I do not want anyone contacting me, but the timeline is when he lived in Iowa, they just had a child and he was a family man and he did not travel. So the police are correct. No possibility of his involvement in Hannibal. So this is from his own sister, who was who still lives. Backtrack. Yeah. Did, 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 what was the question you asked her? The question I asked her was, I got actually given the statement. It was pretty long, but I'll read it. Just uh, You don't read the So you pretty much just asked her, um, would it be possible that he came down and visited for Mother's Day? Is that what you asked her? Um, or did you, were you able to ask that sort of question? Yeah. Yeah. Chris, when I reached out to her, I basically told her about the FBI letter. I went through it with her and I asked her, you know, we're doing this documentary. I think John Wayne Gacy's hurting our case because people keep going down that path. And she, that's the reason why she responds. She says, John didn't have any, (laughs) any interaction in Hannibal, Missouri to her knowledge, nor did he ever visit her. And the mom, and she lives in Arkansas. That's big. So he never, she says that he never visited her in no. Arkansas. He never came and traveled That's to huge. Arkansas. That's huge. So that really debunks, that is from the horse's mouth. That is from them. Now, if John Wayne Gacy did kill three boys in Hannibal, Missouri, and there are three, there are three boys, they're going to drag her into this. 
So mm. I'm not saying that she's giving air cover to her brother, but I'm saying that she's been, she lived this. Yeah. She just wants to be done with it. I mean, who wouldn't want to be? Right. Yeah. So yeah, I get what you're saying there. Now it does make it interesting, interesting that he ends up living with his mom Mm-hmm. In Chicago later on. So yeah. there must have been obviously some sort of good relationship between them two. They were close. Which would make me think that, you know, that he would go trying to visit her or try to communicate with her somehow with the a Mother's Day. Right. But this is this is after he's... You have to understand, too, that the 1967 butts up right against his indictment. Yeah. I mean, that whole year, you know what I'm saying? He's He's got a kid on the way. He's in the middle of an indictment. He's in the middle of running three restaurants. <laughs> it's just there's not a lot of good things going for John Wingate and Soul Speak. Uh, I, I just realized I did have uh, the timeline. I want to go to this is that um, his daughter was born in March of 1967. Okay. Mm-hmm. And uh, of course, we know May 10th is when our boys disappeared. And it was also March of 1968 when he sexually assaulted the boy in Waterloo. Yep. So just to give you a little bit more, get a little bit tighter. And it was May of 68 when he went to prison. Yeah. So the t- to make the timeline a little bit tighter, yeah, the... the, the so I want, I want to throw this caveat in there. Okay. The last letter that Ray sends is May 1968. Now we have John Wayne Gacy's handwriting in front of me. And we have the handwriting from that letter. Mm-hmm. And I think maybe for the next show. We look into that a little bit, yeah. Maybe I already have. Uh, yeah, yeah. It'd be that's interesting. Now I will. I'm gonna go devil's advocate on you right okay. now. Is that we do have the the envelopes of the letters, and those are post. Those do have addresses on them, and actually do have postmarks on them. Mm-hmm. So we do know where they came from. Sure. So, but that's an inter- it's yeah, it is interesting. His last letter came in '68, and the boys uh, he went to prison in May of '68, which is exactly the same month the last letter came out. Make no mistake, I'm trying to disprove that John Wayne Gacy was in Hannibal. You're also opening up a whole new rabbit hole there, Frankie. That people are gonna love. Yeah, um, it's 13 minutes past the hour, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, there's only I think there's we, that's we're kind of getting to the end. Is there anything else we're missing with Gacy? Um, I don't think so. Again, so we have the FBI report. We have his family saying nope. I'm going to go ahead and say this too, and we've said this with the uh, lost. Well, okay, so wait, wait, wait. Okay. where do you stand then? Yeah, that's a good question. Where, let's bring out the Chris. Chris well, can you show the damn charts, man? It's been <laughs> I'm over not a year. Show the chart. <laughs> I'll explain the chart. Um, uh, real quick though, is it, I think that um, John Wingate. We've mentioned, and we—it's ironic. We've talked about this, and we saw a lot of people say, "Hey, I just bought John Wingate's book, The Lost Boys of Hannibal." At least thirty people. Yeah, and so we're great about that. Uh, I will say this too: if you're on the Gacy boat, go ahead and buy the Soul Speak book and read it. It is interesting read. Oh, um, you should definitely read it. Yeah, um, you should definitely see that perspective coming from not only a paranormal side. But how convinced? Yeah, and John, a person that I respected in writing, 
be, just becomes he falls all over himself in yeah. my opinion. John Wingate is locked. He's locked in his position, in. and he won't. And he we've in our discussions, he he just won't have anything to do with it. So of, of any other idea, and I think that's part of the reason why he's been a little bit anti against our podcast. My mission, Chris, that. this year is to get him on this podcast. Oh, that'd be awesome. I'm I'm game for that. So hey, I got Karen Kuzman. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> all right, so here we go. I'm going to go to the thing that you want the most. Uh, besides finding the boys, which we all want the most, uh, is I'm going to go to our percentages. So here we go. So right now, when we started this, I said 50% chance they're in the caves. Yep. I'm at 40% still. Oh, boy. 40% chance they're still in the caves. So you dropped off 10%, 10% because of my involvement? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> in learning stuff. Um, so... Uh, we have a name on here that's 7% that I'm not going to release Can't. because it's um, we haven't said anything about it yet. It has something to do with somebody local that is um, associated with incidences that happened. And that's all I'm going to say on it. Um, and he's still alive. But I want to say it's 7%. It's a small percentage in, in yeah. the big scheme of things, but I want to include it on here. Here's my other one. Uh, 2% road crew employees. Uh, that a road crew employee that was working with the Tobin construction group did it. Yep. Uh, I'm at 4% of Ralph Hughes. Oh yeah. Serial killer. I'm at 4% of Robert Bordella, the butcher. And the reason I'm going to tell you that real quick is because there's a chance that he would have came through Hannibal on his way to Kansas city to go to school, to go to my alma mater. Yep. So, uh, he's at 4%. (laughs) Charles Ray Hatcher. Oh, yeah. He is at 6%. He's higher than the other two. This is like the serial killer uh, season. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Charles Ray Hatcher was released from prison in Missouri at Jefferson State Penitentiary prior to, just prior to the boys going missing. Okay. 10% chance it's a road crew accident that was covered up. Yes, that was something that was brought up on our discussion pages that I really paid a lot of detail to. So you guys, when you guys post stuff, we are reading it. Yeah. And we just like, hmm, kind of makes you think. John Wayne Gacy is still sitting at 6% for me. I haven't moved you? No. I still think that there is, especially from what you said um, in this, and again, my meter during this podcast was going up and down, and I still feel good at 6%. Wow. With, I thought you would be John at Wayne. least at like two, one. Yeah. Yeah, no, still at six. And then finally, the one that I haven't mentioned yet that holds a 21% share of the pie is Ray Farrier. Ray Farrier is somebody that, yeah, I actually have Ray at 25%. I have, I have Ray's, I think, but here's the thing with Ray. I have him at 25% that he did it. I have him at 50% that he's involved with it. Somehow. Ooh, nice. He knew who did it. So there you go, guys. There's my official pie chart. And maybe I'll put this on here and blur out the name. I might put that on the Facebook page and blur out the, the one name because everything else I've covered. Yeah. I'll do that. I'll put, we'll have that on. Make there sure there's not, nobody has an unblurring software because <laughs> they go. exist. <laughs> so that's it. So that's where we're at. That is where we're at, Chris. I do want to say uh, one thing uh, to, you know what I'm famous for here? Oh, yeah. I'm waiting for it. I'm just going <laughs> to sit back and enjoy this. There are other deaths in the area. There are boys that have gone missing. There are boys that have never been found and a body's never been recovered. And they're all within a radius of Hannibal, Missouri. One being on that same road 
that they took to go to that church that night. And that's Monroe City. And that's our next episode. And we'll see you then from all of us here at the Lost Boys of Hannibal podcast. I'm Frankie Cambaletta. I'm Chris Ketters. We'll be seeing you.